Hello, this is Carla Evans at Balance Vancouver, and today we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Fill the atmosphere. We want to know your presence. I was reflecting this week on how Jesus' disciples must have felt before Pentecost happened, in the time of waiting and uncertainty. Having been with Jesus in his life and death, then seeing the resurrected Jesus, and now he was gone again. Jesus had promised to not leave them alone, and he had given them direction about waiting, but in those days of wondering and waiting, they didn't really know what was to come, what the future would be like. We can only wonder their inward questions and imagine ourselves in their shoes. I probably would have wondered, what will we do? Who will we look to? Where will we go when we need direction? Who will answer our questions? It's recorded in John 14 that Jesus had said this to his disciples, and this is from the message version. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend, so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you. Jesus' disciples may have been feeling gutted or grief-stricken, but Pentecost was Christ's faithfulness in fulfilling his promise. Pentecost symbolizes a new beginning and celebrates the unleashing of the Holy Spirit on the world and the empowering of the church to live out the gospel and reach the world with the good news in Jesus. Recorded in John 15 are words you're likely very familiar with, words again of Jesus to his disciples. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I'm with you, the relationship intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is deadwood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done kept my father's commands, and made myself at home in his love. This invitation that Jesus extends is to be in an intimate, ongoing, organic relationship that is our true home, at home in his love. We make ourselves home in God's love by staying close, by being joined. And with God sending the Holy Spirit to us, we have a way to stay connected and live in the truth. This is a daily, even hourly, or moment-by-moment reality we can experience. 
In other translations of John 15, the invitation Jesus gives is, Abide with me, and I in you. So this is what our attention is on today. Abiding in God. Since the first Sunday of May at Boundless Vancouver, we've been exploring Galatians each week. In Galatians 5, which we haven't got to yet, I want to share a few words from verses 22 up until 26. Again, from the message version. But what happens when we live God's way? <coughs> he brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. This sounds a lot like abiding in Jesus and He in us. So on our Infinitum Life Sunday, I thought it was fitting on Pentecost Sunday to explore what it means to abide. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be with Him always and He would abide with us. Abide isn't a word we use in common conversation, so let's look at it. And here are some meanings or synonyms. To remain, continue, or stay. To have one's abode, dwell, or reside. To continue in a particular condition, attitude, or relationship. Again, abide. To put up with, tolerate, or stand. To endure, sustain, or withstand without yielding or submitting. Or to wait for. If you look at your life, where do you abide? With whom do you abide? Where do you reside? Not physically, but in your soul, in your spirit. What are you daily dwelling in? What attitude or posture or intention? Maybe consider what you abide in, in terms of what you put up with or tolerate. Or what are you enduring, sustaining? Or what are you waiting for? Are you abiding in Jesus and Jesus in you? Are you continuing in this intimate and organic relationship with Jesus that is fruitful? I'm certainly not here today with an intent to put a burden on you or to try to fit some sort of law or rule over you. I hope to help us all in one small way to see a little more clearly how we can abide in him. And so today our prayer is Jesus. Teach me to abide in you. If you're like me at all, you often find yourself in a place of saying, well, what does this actually mean? Or how am I meant to actually do this? Well, before I move on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do invite you here in this time and space 
we recognize that you are our teacher and that you are the source of truth. And our prayer today is, Jesus, that you would teach us to abide in you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to be as practical as we can be here today. I want to share with you some fruit from the life of Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, as he was known. Now that itself is quite a name, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. I thought that in itself is a good prompt for self-reflection. What kind of name would you be known by? Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection was born as Nicholas Herman in the 1600s. He lived a humble life with struggles and difficulties, but was committed to knowing God. His greatest concern, as seen throughout his conversations and letters, was to live in the presence of God, to abide in God. One might argue, well, everyone lives in the presence of God, because God is everywhere. We can't escape him. This is true, but Brother Lawrence's conviction and concern was that the most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. That is, every moment to take great pleasure that God is with you. I'll say that again. The most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. That is, every moment to take great pleasure that God is with you. Brother Lawrence's conversations and letters have been compiled into a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And I hope I can simply summarize for you what practicing the presence of God meant for him. It seems a simple thing, but not an easy thing. For Brother Lawrence, the ultimate goal for every soul is union with God. And like I said before, in every moment, to take great pleasure that God is with you. So being with, abiding with, abiding in, continuing in, enduring in. Brother Lawrence knew that we can only be perfectly with God after death, but believed we can be united with God to a great deeper degree in this life than most people think. He believed we can be united with God to a great deeper degree in this life than most people think. This is true for you today. You can be united with God to a greater degree than you think right now. In fact, far more deeper than you could even ask for or imagine. So in his aim to be united with God, Brother Lawrence practiced the presence of God. Like all things, we usually need to practice in order to see growth or for habits to develop. From what Brother Lawrence said and wrote, two foundational pieces are simultaneously essential in practicing the presence of God in order to be in union with God. And those two things are, first, abandon oneself completely to God. A complete trust and confidence in God's goodness and mercy, including believing that God doesn't test us beyond our abilities in this life to endure. And secondly, a constant conversation we carry on with God on all matters, however great or small, and in all conditions. To me, it seems like this first is about a foundational belief and trust, and the second is uh, a practical practice of that faith and trust. So about number one, abandoning oneself completely to God. 
How do we get to this place of being abandoned to God? That God is our aim and goal in life? Or to a complete trust or confidence in God's goodness and mercy? Can we somehow just make ourselves abandoned to God? One thing we can do, which Brother Lawrence advised, is to watch carefully our impulses, which affect our spiritual life as well as our mundane activities. That God would give light in this matter to those who truly desire to be united to Him. Again, that was to watch carefully our impulses, which affect our spiritual life as well as our mundane activities. That God would give light in this matter to those who truly desire to be united to Him. We live in a world with many distractions, with so much fragmentation and disconnection. If we commit to being awake, to paying attention to both the spirit of truth and to ourselves, we will be able to see clearly the things that help us stay close to God and the things that turn our attention away from God or keep us separate from Him. The more clearly we see and discern and see that we have a God of infinite goodness who knows what we need, our hearts will turn more and more toward him in faith and trust and adoration. In believing and in adoration and worship, we grow in our love for, our trust in, and our confidence in God. And about point number two, constant conversation with God, no matter the subject, big or small. It's not easy to develop this habit of continual conversation with God, but Brother Lawrence showed that if we persevere, suddenly one day, we will succeed. We'll see the fruit of this constant prayer in our lives. His deep conviction about this was that prayer is not saying prayers, but a way of living in which all we do becomes prayer. We indeed are called not just to say prayers, but live a prayerful life. A prayerful life is a life in which all we do, eating and drinking, working and resting, playing and praying, is done to the glory of God alone. In his letters, sometimes Brother Lawrence gave warnings, and I particularly liked this one, in reference to one of the sisters he was sending a letter to about her aim in practicing the presence of God. He warned, She appears to be full of goodwill, but she wants to go faster than grace. One does not become holy all at once. Just like any discipline or spiritual practice, Practicing the presence of God could lead to striving, trying to get somewhere on your own efforts or in trying to make things happen. We can get out of step with the Holy Spirit and where God is in action. We want to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, like uh, Eugene Peterson translates in the message, Matthew chapter 11. We want to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Another trap we could fall into is that of self-recrimination or self-judgment. We recognize our failure to remember. We easily forget God throughout a day and start to be our own worst critic instead of falling on God's grace. I was in a conversation recently about this, and the book A Testament of Devotion by Thomas Kelly came to mind, specifically what he wrote about this. Mental habits of inward orientation must be established— An inner, secret turning to God can be made fairly steady after weeks and months and years of practice and lapses and failures and returns. And he goes on further. 
Lapses and forgettings are so frequent. Our surroundings grow so exciting. Our occupations are so exacting. But when you catch yourself again, lose no time in self-recriminations, but breathe a silent prayer for forgiveness and begin again just where you are. Offer this broken worship up to him and say, This is what I am, except thou aid me. Well, how do we do it practically, this continual conversation? Brother Lawrence suggests it would be pertinent for those who undertake this practice to make up interiorly short prayers such as, My God, I am all yours. Or God of love, I love you with all my heart. Or Lord, make me according to your heart. And any such words that love may beget on the spur of the moment. For a prayer phrase like this to become part of you, so that it's a natural response in any moment of the day. To summarize, after all of that that I've said, this is really what I want you to remember. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. He gave the promised Holy Spirit so that you can live in an intimate, organic relationship with Him, where every part of your life is touched and entrusted to a good and merciful God. Pay attention with the Spirit of Truth's help to your impulses that either lead you closer to God or move you away from Him. Let all of your life be a prayer. Practice the presence of God by praying all throughout the day, no matter what you may do. Discover your catch prayer phrase for this season with God's leading to pray all throughout the day. But remember, you will forget. There will be lapses and failings, but don't waste your time beating yourself up about it and dwelling on the fact that you're a horrible prayer or that you're not abandoned enough to God, or that you don't love God enough. Simply notice, breathe in God's grace and goodness, turn your attention to Him again, and dwell there. To conclude, I encourage you to find the song Abide by Kingdom Culture Worship. If you want to find the lyrics and listen for this to be your prayer today, And part of this prayer is, like I said earlier, teach me to abide in you. This is our prayer today. I encourage you to practice the presence of God in the week ahead. Thank you.